Well, hello there. In this special two-part bonus episode, I wanted to share with you a very open and vulnerable conversation between my husband Greg and I. Just a heads up, this episode is probably not one you want to listen to with kids around. You're going to hear about our latest argument and how we found connection afterwards. We talk about sex. We talk about love languages. We talk about how we share financial and family responsibilities and absolutely everything in between. So let's jump into that conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Greg and Sarah Munder. So... We are coming off of a pretty ugly, messy argument over the weekend, and we had a chance to hash it out last night and reconnect, and it was a very messy process. It was hard. There were tears. We both cried and we nearly gave up, but we kept powering through and we were able to come to a better understanding of each other and find connection. So today's a much better day. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's the difference, the stark difference between where we're at yesterday and today is in, in, in immeasurable. Yeah, we do tend to go real high and go real low, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we just, in a matter of really, I'd say there was a 30-minute time span max where we went from the deepest deeps to actually feeling pretty good. And I think the the big thing was the vulnerability and well, I, I guess there's three things. One is I felt like I put up a wall with you a lot of times and I don't know what it is. Why I don't sh- tend to show emotion with you, at least not easily. I don't know if I'm trying to be strong and put on that persona for you, but the moment I got a chance to really open up with you, I, I think was healthy for me, but also it, it felt like it was the right thing for you to see. Maybe you needed to see that level of emotion to know that I really deeply cared about the success of our marriage. But I feel like that was as good for you as it was for me, as far as seeing me really get as vulnerable as I did. So I think that's number one, the vulnerability. Number two is the perseverance. And there were so many times there where I'm just thinking through every word and how it's going to be perceived and is this going to help or hurt the argument? And there were so many, two or three times where we almost just ended the conversation there in a worse hole than we even had started. Mm-hmm. And we chose to keep going. And you're just right on that razor's edge about, I know the more I press here, the more at risk we get in even a bigger explosion of anger and tempers and so forth. But if you're really, really deliberate about how you're navigating that right on the front line, so to speak, and you keep going, that's where you have breakthroughs. It's like every time we would get close to this level of resistance, we're about to bust through on the other end, but you just give up because it gets 
too hard to break through that barrier. And I think last night was a great example of persevering right up to that barrier and then past it. And it just, it felt like literally a bubble popped in our relationship, not in a bad way. That's not a phrase meant to sound like something catastrophic happened. It's like we lived in this bubble and then it was just popped and it was yeah, like the pressure was released. Yeah. Just a whole different set of circumstances. It just goes to show though, that like the level to which you are willing to experience pain is the level to which you are able to experience like joy and happiness and pleasure. And I think like in order for us to get back to a healthy place, we had to go to those lows, those depths. We had to get it all out. We had to be honest and hash it all out. Even it was, even if it was painful and messy. Yeah. And I think the other, the other third pillar. So I said vulnerability, I said perseverance, and then I'll say communication too, which is really over, overused. I, I think it can be a bit of kind of a, um, hype word or buzzword or what have you. But I, I think for the first time last night, I saw a side of you that I didn't know was there. In what way? Um, the ways in which you felt deeply pressured by your business. And here I was with just a totally different set of understanding about how you might perceive your business and the time commitment you make and the sacrifices our family makes as a result of that uh, with you. Obviously, I'm sure your listeners know this stretched in with three kids and managing a business, a successful one at that. And I didn't realize that you were very, you also felt pressured. I just, that never had gone through my mind. You, you seem to, you're so good at it. It comes so naturally to you. And I know you work hard, but I didn't, I wasn't able to truly see your perspective and get in your shoes. And then I think the moment I did, that just changed everything because you, you start to build these stories in your head of what another person is thinking or the reasons mm-hmm. they're doing something. And what you realize is most people are on common ground. Most people want similar things. Mm-hmm. And of all people that are going to see eye to eye and most, most likely, but just need to find that empathy to see the other person's point of view. We're husband and wife. We've been together for 12 years. We're always going to be plus or minus 5% away from each other about as far as what we want and our life goals and desires and so forth. The moment you start to see, cause I, I know some things that I've said in our relationship that have been kind of some of those alarming words, those words that you don't like to, that aren't meant for, you have to yield them carefully. Separation is one of those words. Compatibility is one of those words. And lately that's been something I've kind of voiced the gall to, to use that word. Mm-hmm. We're not compatible then. Mm-hmm. And because it felt like we got to a point where we're at 180 degrees difference. Mm-hmm. Different people. You're seeing black. I'm seeing white. You're seeing up. I'm seeing down. And what you realize is, no, we are actually probably 5% different. But the way that we're perceiving one another's viewpoint is way different. And we needed mm-hmm. to find truth in that. We needed to really communicate so that we could see each other's perspective. Yeah. One thing that you said to me recently that really stuck with me was 
that at the end of the day, we both want the same things. It's just like the path to getting there. Sometimes we see different ways to get there. Do we want to talk specifics on what that one was? Um, yeah, I don't recall a specific example, but I just think that it applies to literally everything we're yeah. trying to go after in life right now. Well, maybe maybe it's helpful to talk about a specific one. Because I, I think the one you're thinking of is uh, our dietary choices. Mm-hmm. With the kids. Yeah. So you want a, a, a diet that includes meat because your line of reasoning and, and the research you've done and the, the, the path you've gone down is that that's a, there's health benefits for children for that, for, for growing kids. And then here I am with a whole different set of circumstances of the books I've read and the podcasts I've listened to and the research I've followed. And I'm go- over here going, no, I think plant-based is actually better for our children, but the overlap was better for our children. There was no mm-hmm. other intent in there just in what we had believed to be, to be the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You find that common ground and you go, okay, well, we're both after the same goal. That's good. I suppose it would be pretty bad if I was like, I'm looking for something that's bad for the children. And you're like, I want something that's good for the children. <laughs> I find it funny, our approach to that too. Like, I've just kind of come to accept that like, I make the girls like organic chicken sausage in the morning and you come home from the gym and you give them like your vegan shake and it all works out. <laughs> like we're both like giving them what we think they need. And I just think that's really funny. They're well fed. <laughs> Let's just say yeah, that. That is funny. I never realized it was like we do, we do get to impart both our our choices a little bit. But I appreciate that you you don't do it in a way where it's like no you know drink this don't eat what mom made you like you're you're very supportive like oh you know eat your breakfast that mom made. Yeah, and I, if I'm being honest, I do tend to side with you a little bit. You'll notice like when they ask for a glass of milk, I tend to gravitate towards the milk you buy them. Yeah. And it's because I trust, I trust your judgment, and you for for children specifically, I'm willing to concede that you've probably done more research than I have. We could go all day long about how plant based is better for adults, but let's but, not, <laughs> because this episode <laughs> is about answering the questions of you guys, the listeners, and we have some really juicy questions in here. So do you want to get to it? Can't wait. Okay. Okay, so we had three of you guys post questions in the Motivation for Moms podcast Facebook group, and they're really juicy, so I can't wait to dive in. So Shauna said, my fiance and I have been together for 11 and a half years, engaged for eight and a half. We have been in couples therapy for two and a half When we first started therapy, we had a lot of issues. We have worked really hard to get to where we are today. We definitely need to reconnect. We need to get back to having date night once a month and having sex more often. How can we get back to doing this? I know it seems like an easy fix and to just do it. If we could get away just the two of us, that would be amazing. At the end of a long day, taking care of kids, housework, and working four nights a week, the last thing that's on my mind is sex. So I guess my overall question would be, how can we get back to where we used to be and reconnect? And did she say they had kids in there? I missed that part. Although she did say just us. No, of course she has kids. Motivation for moms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> get with it. Come on. Yeah, Shauna has kids. I think she has two. All right. Where where do we want to start? Um, yeah, I think she made a b- good point. Um, 
to just do it, to not overthink it. Um, well, that reminds me a lot of something we both subscribe to, which is common sense is not common practice. Yeah. So we'll start with, yeah, that simple piece of advice that you already know, dear listener. And that is, yeah, just do it. I I think we got in a routine there for a second of having a a night picked out, which even in 12 years of being together, we've never done. In seven years of having kids, we've never been like Tuesday's date night. Mm -hmm. We would always try and talk about it. No, should we go out this weekend? And yeah, let's line up a sitter. But the moment when we started to put it on our calendar as Thursday and it it aligned with our schedules, there's reasons we can't do it other night other nights we know why friday won't work we know why monday won't work right but it's like okay thursday no that's the theme for that day and that's what the day kind of culminates in and we have the resources lined up for it i mean let's be honest it takes a lot more prep work to make it happen than it used to we pretty much have to like design our entire life around it to make it happen we're talking about date night specifically not sex yet and we'll get we'll get to that then then before we had kids yeah oh i mean it's just like we could just do anything on a whim anytime And so, I mean, it just proves my point of, you know, I always say my success in anything in life, whether it's my own personal agenda or my marriage and my connection with you takes planning. It takes planning in advance. Um, But, you know, I'm all for being spontaneous too. It's really hard to be spontaneous when you have kids because you have to think of their schedules and everything, keeping consistent routines with them. But... I think that there's room in marriage to be spontaneous with sex. I mean, it's funny because we, we tried the thing where we, what, what was our nights? Friday for for sex night, Saturday. And I feel like it still loosely is (laughs) like we never officially un sexified Saturdays, sexified Saturdays. (laughs) I feel like most of the time we do. And I think that's just because it's an easy night because there's less pressure than any other night, yeah. including Friday. Cause we have movie night Friday. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, okay, let's just be, let's just be fully transparent here. So we very rarely go a week without doing it. And I think that that's mostly because of you and your appetite. Um, and it's funny because I can, like, I know when you're, like, wanting some. <laughs> like, I, I can you see it. because it's a day? <laughs> I can see it coming from a mile away. Not, not it. <laughs> well, not, I'm just going to stop there. Um, but, like, I can see the signs leading up to you, like, making move on me. Like, you just start to get a little bit nicer and more thoughtful and... I hate to say he's shaking his head yes right now because he agrees. <laughs> and rolling my eyes at myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, we used to do the thing where we had dedicated nights. And that became really challenging when things would come up. Like, for example, I would get a migraine or whatever else. You know, like I have struggled with mental illness for my entire life. So if I was just having a really bad, like, emotional day, It's just not going to happen. And I, it would almost like make it worse knowing that like there was a commitment that I had to you that I wasn't able to keep that day. And then I would like feel guilty for, for not being able to show up for you. Oh, completely. I I was going to just absolutely nod my head and complete, um, 
uh, agreeance that, yeah, I think in principle it works because it's like, okay, cool, we can take off some of the pressure. We know Saturday is the night. But if we were to miss it, then it felt – it was almost worse than not having it at all because yeah. it felt robbed. I felt shortchanged. And there was a lot of pressure on you, I think, to kind of make up for that. I think where we've got now is it's – and we haven't even talked about this or like officially labeled it as such. But I think it's usually Saturday most of the time. Wait, what's today? Monday. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> it's already getting late in the day. Is there something I forgot? <laughs> and I think that I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Saturdays. It's become Saturdays. It's become Saturdays, but without actually ever you and I agreeing upon a, a policy. The policy that's developed has been beautiful, which is it's usually Saturdays. If it's not, it's not a big deal, and we'll probably do it Sunday, which I'd say is usually the case, and in rare cases, maybe Monday. But it's never like I miss a w- we miss a week, and I think that's where it would kind of get rough before, is if we miss Saturday. I felt like I missed out on that week. Yeah. It's This is really big for you, because... I hear you when you say like you feel shortchanged and you feel like you missed out. I mean, I'd love to hear more about how you feel when like you haven't gotten any. Because for me, like I, yeah, like I'll notice when time passes if we don't do it. But it's not like I feel like I'm missing anything. Like it, it's almost like the way I see it is like you have a mental to do list. <laughs> Where do you think we got it from? <laughs> to do me list. And if you don't like check those days off, like you feel, I don't know. How do you feel? It just seems I, like I don't know if there's something there unique to our relationship. I feel like isn't that just kind of the story of all this time? But I have friends who I'm the pursuer, you're the pursuee. I have friends who haven't had sex with their husbands in months, or even like longer than that, and they just carry on as usual. I mean, I think it could have that a lot feels to- really unhealthy though. It it could have a lot to do with like hormone balance and things like that in both the man man and the wife, but and just their individual needs. I mean, our our relationship. Gosh, we really get got into talking about sex real fast. <laughs> um, our relationship was very much like based on sex to begin with. It started off really hot and heavy, and that's what. I mean, that was the the basis for our relationship I hate to say that because that's unhealthy you know we didn't really have a solid foundation like we certainly weren't the couple that like went on a bunch of dates before we did it and built up that trust with each other we were not that couple no but we did go (laughs) on a bunch of dates after we did it and those are fun (laughs) yeah and then we had three kids and here we are and so it's it yeah that is interesting in the sense of like you know when sex isn't a part of our relationship, it's, it does kind of feel like something's missing in the sense of like it really has defined a lot of our relationship. But I do want to go back to something else on there about, because you're right, we did pivot to sex rather quickly. The whole date night thing, 
just a, a few more pointers that come to mind. You're right. When you don't have kids, it's, it's easy. You can go on dates every time. But I also kind of feel, especially when you've been a few years together, you're kind of phoning it in on date nights. They're not a lot of memorable experiences. And that last date night we went on a couple weeks ago at that Italian restaurant, I just, that's forever etched in my, mem- in my mind is a great memory. Really good date night. And I think maybe just the trade-off that you have to consider when, when you do have kids, it's not so much, oh, well, we never get to go on date night anymore. Oh, it's so hard. Understand that the, the, the exchange you're making with yourself or a former version of yourself is you used to go to on date nights all the time. And it was no big deal to, to, to make one happen, but it was also no big deal meaning you just kind of went through the motions. And now I feel like it's a big deal to make it happen. There's a lot of moving parts. There's babysitters to consider and schedules and so forth. But it's a big deal. They're fun. They're fun events. I look forward to them. And last Thursday in particular was just a great... I I won't forget that night. It it wasn't just another date night. It It was a great experience. Yeah, it was. I would say to Shauna... You know, so she said, my overall question is, how would we get back to where we used to be and reconnect? It's, I think I would start with understanding how you connect with your significant other. How do they feel connected to you? You know, what is their love language? If you're not familiar with the five love languages, get familiar. You can Google it right now. You don't have to read the book, although the book's really good. But I think that that's been really helpful for us to know how the other person likes to be loved and how like the other person likes to show love and how the other person likes to connect. Um, that's something that we're constantly aware of day in and day out. And so we, we work on that and we make an effort to, to love each other in the other one's love language. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, she asked, how can we get back to where we used to be? The truth is, you're never going to get back to where you used to be. Life is ever changing and life is ever evolving and we're all growing. And there's this thing called chaos theory, (laughs) which means that basically just as we move forward in time, everything just becomes more and more chaotic. And that's certainly true when you have kids. And so you kind of have to like redefine what, a solid relationship means to you, what connection means to you. Like, like Greg was saying, you know, it going on a date is means something so different now than it used to. It's, it's so much more meaningful because it takes so much effort. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be this whole big grand romantic date night. It can also just be the little things. And I know for me personally, like I value the little things so much more now than I, than I did ever before, you know, whether it's like, a handwritten note, which by the way, I love handwritten notes and it's been a while since you've left me one. So there's just a little tip. Um, you know, small acts of service, like (laughs) you made the coffee for us this morning and I was basically like, Oh my God, marry me again. Like it, that meant so much to me. That was, you know, an act of service. That was my love language. And it's just little things like that, that go a long way versus like before in the early stages our relationship was like hey cool yeah thanks you know like I think it was easier to take those things for granted so just 
just understand that you're never going to get back to where you used to be because you're a different person and so is he or she. And and that's okay and that's that's what's so exciting is that you're going to be ever evolving and changing and so is your relationship. Yeah. And and just to double click on the love languages thing for a second cuz that that seems to be a revolving theme in our our relationship. We happen to have different love languages. There's, there are probably a lot of couples out there that have the same love languages, and I wonder if maybe their relationships are easier as a result of that. They, they, can, they don't have to work so hard at it because the things that you find valuable, I, I don't. <laughs> same. For, for okay, my, let's... For my, for my son. Your love languages. I was, I was so ready to get mad at me, and you're just like, same. <laughs> you're totally What's great. your love languages? I mean, I know them, but I want you to say them. Uh, I always forget, but I'm pretty sure it's touch and time. Yeah, physical touch and quality time. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Um, And yours is acts of service and gifts. And who am I inherently? Someone who really doesn't give a lot of gifts or care about the gifts I get. (laughs) And then acts of service. I think I'm better at than gifts. Uh, but that, that's the challenge is like really understanding how important that is to your partner. Cause for the coffee, it's like big deal. Like it's not, it takes, Oh my God, seconds. that's everything. And it's to everything me. to you. And that's, <laughs> it like changed the course of my day. And that's the crazy part is just reminding yourself being committed to your partner and your marriage and your relationship is like, I may not care about this thing at all, but I have to remind myself that my partner deeply cares about this. What's something for you that is like everything to you? Oh, that's like a, a small question. example. Everything to me, because <laughs> I, I know almost every night you put a meal out for me, and it's just so commonplace. I probably don't get it a lot of opportunities to thank you for that, but that feels that feels pretty meaningful to me. That's kind of really classic. I felt take I feel taken care of when I come home and there's a meal, especially when it's it's on its own plate. <laughs> if it's dinner you've made, that's great. But when there's like an actual pre-built bowl for me of mashed potatoes and fish and asparagus and like a little lemon wedge, like <laughs> sprinkle of in parsley. the microwave, you usually put it. I don't know why. Cause it's not like a microwave. Warmer, Cause I want to but... keep the freaking flies off of it. Okay. All right. Flies in Georgia. So Over. your question of what are, I... what's like game changing for you as far as what you can do. Like little things that you do just like totally change the course of my day. Like what, what do I do that change the course of your day? Well, what are other things that you do or that I do that change the course? Are the dishes a big deal? Um, like or having a clean kitchen to come down to and work in. Honestly, not really, but it used to be, I guess so. Cause I, I felt like that was, it's more so. It's more for for our family's operations. Yeah, it's more... The dishes aren't really super meaningful to me. It's more so things that, like, I hate doing. Like, you opening cans for me with a can opener is so much more meaningful to me than the dishes. Because I hate opening cans. I hate it so much. I hate refilling the dog food container. I hate it so much. Because I have to go all the way down to the basement and get a big old bag of dog food, you know, 30 pounds of dog food or whatever it is putting atlas's clothes on putting atlas's clothes on squiggly baby and yeah I that's literally like i have so, zero zero challenge in doing so that one, exhausting. i love to do that one because it's such a good example of a symbiotic relationship <laughs> yeah 
does not, it's zero, zero heavy lifting for me. And for you, it's everything to have me do it. So we both even just carrying him down the stairs these days is so helpful or like, yeah, like in the morning, just those extra, cause lately he's been getting up so gosh darn early and on the weekends, especially like you'll come get him and like change his diaper and get him dressed and bring him downstairs. And like just those few minutes to myself in the morning to like get up and go to the bathroom and put my contacts in is so meaningful to me. Noted. All right. You know, I, I can't think of anything for me. Do you feel like you can suggest something for me? Maybe something I, you feel There's like. a lot of things that I try to do for you that I feel like are meaningful for you. Like, and again, you know, this is probably my love language, but like, I'll leave notes for you. I do that a lot. And I think in my head, like, oh my God, this, he's going to be so happy about this. And then I don't really get much of a response. <laughs> it's just a matter of like, he's in a, you know, different state of mind than me. It's nothing personal. I think that you, for you, it's really, really important to like go on family adventures. Oh yes, I forgot <laughs> about that. How could I forget about that? It's everything to me. It's so much work. Oh my to god! To get all the kids Sunday in the car. <laughs> brunch with my family out and about on a beautiful. If it weren't Sunday. for Nothing the, in this world is better. If it weren't for the baby, being. So in such a hard stage right now where it's hard to take him anywhere. It's hard to get him in the car. There's so many things we need to pack for a successful outing. It's just there's so much work that goes into it. At the end of the day, I'm just like, oh, my God, it wasn't worth it. But I know it's worth it to you. So. Yeah, that's a really good one. And funny enough, what does that one fall under as far as a love language is? But be honest. By the time we get home... On a Sunday, aren't you just no. like that was too much work? No. In the middle of it sometimes, but it's more so I'm I know you're unhappy and that's making me <laughs> unhappy. I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the car with my arms crossed, looking out the window, being like, Why did we do but this? But I have the time. Alice is I'm screaming in the back. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> We have a big, beautiful 5,000 square foot home. Why didn't we just stay home? <sighs> okay, let's answer some more questions. So Jody Lynn says, how do you and Greg motivate each other to be more active, either with family, each other, planning outings, we were just talking about that, getting one or the other up and out of the house? <laughs> motivate how do we each motivate other? each other? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a great question. All right. Do you want to go first? No, go ahead. Shooting from the hip, I don't think we motivate each other. I, I'll i answer the question in the spirit is like, how do you, or at least the way I'm going to interpret it is, is how do you get them, help each other get the most out of their own lives? How do you kind of be support systems for each other so you can both thrive? Would that be fair to kind of reword the question that way? Um, no, I, I don't think that she's asking that if I would guess you might be right, but I think that she's saying like, how do you, okay, let's just take the first part of the question. How do you motivate each other to be more active? So like, this is the perfect scenario. You want to be more active. You want to be more active in the family. And I, it's not that I don't want to, it's just that. I'm so tired 
taking the kids out of the house. You're talking about the Sunday outings. Yeah. You know, historically, I'm the one that's like, let's go camping on a whim. And I would just pack up and I would take the kids camping, the girls, before we had that. The two kids. The two kids camping by myself. And we would go. And I was very, very active. But I think that now I'm just, I'm so dedicated to my goals that I can see the cost of what it's going to take to go out and about and around the town. And it's not worth it because it's going to cost me the success of starting my week off right. That's my perspective. But I think that what's common in a lot of relationships is one of the spouses is just more motivated than the other. Like, you know what? They they see the bigger picture. Like, we've got to get the kids out of the house. We have got to get off the screens. We have got to have exercise. We've got to spend more time together. And I think that that's really common. Um, so how do you motivate each other? I think for me, like what I would say is setting an example and just talking about and showing why this is important to you and how pumped up you are about it and like what this is going to do for you and the family and like make it about spending time together. You know, like I would love to spend time with you doing this. Like I really miss you. I feel like we haven't spent enough time together lately, you know, and not make that like about them. Like it's not anything they're doing wrong, but like, you know, it would just mean a lot to me if we went out and did this. And I think that that would go a long way for me if you worded it that way when you wanted to get out of the house on the weekends. It would mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to me. Uh, yeah, to spend, to spend yeah, time with, to spend time I, with me. <laughs> it would mean a lot to me to spend time with you. Yeah. It would mean a lot to me. I, I think you're onto something with the whole example showing because the first thing that comes to mind is like the most direct, direct line is telling someone, hey, if... Have you gotten out of the house today? Have you gone to the gym recently? Have you done this with the kids? And But like, that's almost like accusatory. Well, like you're almost like just, saying like, hey, I know you haven't done this and I think you should do something different. Yeah, I think that just that goes down a path that just is a lot of people would label as nagging. Well and you go into defense mode. It's like, well, yeah. I'm you know, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think you're really onto something about and I know you talk about this a lot in your work about being the um, kind of agent of change uh, for your family and you're exactly right I, I notice this is kind of related but I'll kind of go down a tangent I, I notice our family's mood and interactions and engagement and just kind of general livelihood and energy change based on our energy but definitely your energy and so to set the motivation for your spouse it's it's by leading for example exactly mm-hmm. because you and I kind of challenge each other we're co-pilots in wanting to be better in our lives and, and kind of show up as the best version of ourselves and when we see the other person do it and it's from this humble place of just doing it not nagging not rubbing it in your face it's i think that's just hits the nail right on the head you are a freaking beast when it comes to going to the gym and working out like i haven't really express to you how motivating and inspiring that really is because I, I didn't know that that's cool that you I think about it all the time I, th- I just have 
you have become, that's just become part of your identity in my mind. Like you're just the one that goes every day, no matter what, like you're just so it's such a non-negotiable for you. And it's, you know how I feel about non-negotiables. Like that's so inspiring. I mean, this guy, ladies, let me tell you, he, I'm totally going to rub his ego right now. You should see him over here. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> um, he gets up at like four thirty. Four fifty-five. He gets up at four fifty-five every day, except Saturdays and Sundays. So Monday through Friday. And this morning he made me a pot of coffee before he left because I have to get up at five thirty. And he goes to the gym. Well, first of all, you know. I haven't told you this one thing. I really appreciate what you've been doing lately. So like Greg's, quiet. yeah, because I work on it a lot. Yeah, that goes into that. Yeah, <laughs> it took twelve years of you being loud, but I appreciate it so much because he sleeps in the basement. Fun fact: we don't sleep together most nights. We sleep together maybe one night a week, but Which we just has nothing to do with our love or connection. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay, we'll get into that. Because I'm actually kind of a fan of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It works out for us. So Greg sleeps in the basement, not like, you know, in a hole. But <laughs> we have like a nice basement. Yeah, there's a towel. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he sleeps on the trampoline. No, we have like a guest room down there. It's like an East Coast basement, a South, Southern basement, not like a California basement. California basements don't exist. Yeah. Okay, so, and that was new for us when we moved out to Georgia. It's like, oh. Houses have basements here. Cool. Um, so that, okay, so what I'm trying to say is he sleeps in the basement in the morning, but his, like, clothes and bathroom and everything is still up here in in the, um, the main bedroom where I sleep <laughs> and get ready and get dressed and everything. Um, he... Also keeps his clothes in here and gets ready in here. He uses the bathroom in here and everything. So, but he hasn't been coming up to like get ready to go to the gym in the morning. And I, I wonder like, how are you waking up and getting ready to go to the gym without waking me up? Because I am the lightest. I am the world's lightest sleeper. Literally the world's Like lightest. if you. I just always assume you're up. If you sneeze or like swallow, I will <laughs> wake not, up. I'm not sure you've ever slept. Ever in, in my the life. 12 years of our relationship, because every time I've seen you, you've been awake. Because even if you're in your bed and technically. We're because asleep, the sec, I can hear you walking the up the stairs. My eyes second, just pop up. Split second I come within any sort of visual connection with you, you're up. <laughs> so he has been going to the gym, but not waking me up. And it's been amazing. Like, I honestly, I haven't shown you my appreciation for that, but the baby wakes me up lately at like 5.15, which is just ridiculous. So I've got, to, I've got to talk to Anna, our sleep consultant, and figure out how to get him to sleep longer. Well, I think we kept him up till 8.20 tonight. I bet you tomorrow he sleeps in well past 6. But anyways, that was something that, um, that I appreciate. What were we even talking about? Oh, just you going to the gym and how inspiring that is. And I think about it all the time like I just think about like how hard that must be for you and the obstacles that you must overcome to go every day and I know that eventually habits become easy um but 
that's why I work out at home. It's just I find it very, very difficult to leave the house to go to the gym. And granted, you don't have kids to think about because you're just thinking about yourself in the morning. You know that I'm going to handle the kids if they wake up. But it's still inspiring. I know that, you know, we all have our own demons and battles inside that we have to overcome in order to stick with positive habits and reach our goals. And so that's something that's very inspiring. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, sister, it's Sarah. And I wanted to jump into the middle of this episode real quick and get your attention. I know you're here because you want more than just ordinary for your life. You have these thoughts and ideas about what your best self and your best life looks like. But for whatever reason, you just can't seem to make real progress towards these visions and dreams. Hey, I get it. As moms, we're pulled in a million different directions. We've got so many things to think about and so many people to care for. And there's always something new and unexpected that pops up. And this means that if we keep putting it off, if we keep saying one day, if we keep prioritizing everything else above our goals and dreams, we're never going to get there. And the truth is the years will pass and we will certainly stay busy, but there will come a point where we ask ourselves, am I happy? Have I been living on purpose? Have I been living with intention? And do I feel fulfilled in my life? There will come a point where we wish we had done something sooner. As a mom, I understand the challenges of motherhood. And as a certified life coach, I am absolutely obsessed with learning about how people make breakthroughs in their life and create real positive change. I have the honor and the joy of working one-on-one with moms like you, help them make their goals and dreams, their reality, their new real life. I do this every day and I'm here to tell you there's nothing stopping you. And I want to invite you to stop holding yourself back. Let's freaking do this together. In my 12-week coaching program breakthrough, I provide the how-to, the structure, and the accountability to help you make a commitment to reach your goals, make progress towards those goals, and stay consistent. No more being all or nothing, no more quitting, and no more letting yourself down. When you join Breakthrough, not only is everything in your life as you know it today going to improve, but you're going to become and achieve and accomplish more than you ever even dreamed possible for yourself. We can't use mom life as an excuse to stay stuck and not reach our potential. It's because of our responsibility to our family and to the next generation that we must value ourselves more and do whatever it takes to become the woman we know we can be. We really do owe it to them and we owe it to ourselves to be happy now. It's time to take charge of your life. It's time to break through to new levels of growth and joy and fulfillment. I only open doors to this program four times a year, and now's your chance to join this life 
life-changing program before doors close again on Sunday. Learn more at themamamiracle.com forward slash breakthrough. That's themama, M-A-M-A, miracle.com forward slash breakthrough. The next question is, how do you... How do you or Greg voice your needs? What do each of you look for in each other's support? Kids, sex, yourself. How do you voice your needs and what do you look for in each other's support? Should we try to do an opposite where I guess this question for you? Okay. I guess this question for Sounds you. good. You're a big texter. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. And you seem to enjoy communicating via text more than anything else. I don't know if maybe you just like to collect your thoughts or Mm -hmm. you want a chance to say whatever you want to say without any sort of immediate response from me or whatever, whatever the reason may be. I'm just visual. I just, I think it's because I have synesthesia or something. I don't know, but I'm, I'm also just visual expressor and learner. Yeah. So I just, I love to write that makes sense. And I, it's funny that you say that because the other day on our fight day on Saturday morning, I texted you my thoughts and feelings, which I was being very vulnerable and I, I thought about keeping it inside, but I was like, no, I'm going to actually, you know, tell him what's really going on in my mind right now in the most respectful way I could think of. So I sent you this big old long text and I'm, I'm over here thinking like, you're going to respond and we're just going it, to, that it's going to end it. That's going to end it. Like your response will end it. Like it'll, it'll just be great. Like diffuse the situation. Not diffuse the situation, but just like ag- acknowledge what I said and share your feelings. And then it's like, okay, cool. We can move on. But your response was, we'll talk when I get home. Which was like the worst response oh, for me. There was worse ones. I could have done the thumbs up, press and hold. <laughs> Wait, what? Not What's like the thumbs up emoji. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been. I could have done an eggplant emoji. <laughs> that what? Feels pretty. That feels not very good of a response. Not very relevant. Not very relevant. Um. Yeah, no, but for me, like, that was the worst response. Because I don't even think a thumbs up, hold, press and hold emoji would have been as bad. Because that would have told me, like, oh, he's just in the middle of something. He saw it, but he can't respond right now. So that was, like, acknowledgement. But the, like, we'll talk when I get home was so angering to me. (laughs) Was it? Oh, my gosh. Because I was like, no, we'll talk when I want to talk. And I want to talk right now. This is so good. We hadn't <laughs> chatted about this one yet because I think this is a classic example as it unfolds in real time right here about the lack of or the lack of communication and the Understanding. different stories we tell ourselves. For me, I don't have my phone while I'm in the gym, so it's literally in the car. So I get out of the gym. I'm basically delirious from my workout, <laughs> sweating profusely, out of breath. And pick up my phone, and there's this lengthy text that requires essay. deep thought and reflection. And I'm given two choices. Choice one is, like, collect myself for the next couple of minutes, and then, like, 
put genuine thought in Okay, I don't understand response. how it takes longer for you. It takes more effort for you to text me than to talk to me in person face to face. Like it takes so much effort for me face to face to you should see his face right now, you guys. Us texting is so hard. It's just that's the difference between the way that we communicate. Every time I try to hit spacebar, it hits the period. <laughs> it's just physically hard. Because you hit spacebar two times. Because that's not the correct way to. Oh my god. Okay, that's what you've this is always hard done. In words. And so you you hit spacebar twice. I'm a spacer. Yeah. yeah. After that's about after a, sen- a after period? a period, it's one space. Pretty sure. It's- new sentence. I almost majored in English. If we don't have two spaces, <laughs> we have a. I was have a civilization. I was taught in college that it's period one space new sentence. It just looks weird when there's a giant space in between the period and the new sentence. It, 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 no. So, so when you're so doing that makes sense though when you're doing that in text message iPhone does what what were we talking about we're talking about if you do I two get, spaces well but texting is hard that's the point for me <laughs> that I have a lot of angst about it's like text all day for my work I'm always like fast I, responses trying to multitask and I do want to provide you a thoughtful response I really do but I'm in the car, and so the idea is, okay, spend a few minutes sitting here idling, or just hop in the car. Or you could just be like, I be hear home. you, and I love you, and everything's going to be okay. End of story. Damn it, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> you don't have to, like, you and your salesman mentality, like, you have to have, like, the perfect response to no, everything. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Do you know how fast I would have jumped your bones when you got home if you would have responded with that. Let's just, just that word. let's just that's all it would have taken I hear you and it does sound pretty sexy. I see you and everything's gonna be okay it's so reassuring yeah okay so so you said we'll talk when I get home first of all I felt like I was in trouble from my perspective I felt like that was a good response because here's <laughs> Because here's how it sounded out of my mouth brain into the phone. <laughs> was, and I'll add some other words here just for more context and color. Oh, hon. We'll talk when we get home. <laughs> I was like immediately like... Because if I said if you heard it that way, that sounds endearing, right? That sounds good? I Oh, I no. guess that just evokes we'll talk, we'll talk so much anxiety in we'll me because because that just means like I have something to tell you and it, it deserves it does, to be said in person. Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. It sure. deserves to be said in person, not over text. And that's so anxiety provoking. And I feel like I'm in trouble. And I feel like just what's he gonna say? I need to prepare for it. I'm a planner. Did you have all these situations mapped out? I was so mad when you said that because here's why I knew that you knew that I do better with text in that moment. Yeah. And I was like, he knows what he's doing. He's making me feel really weak and vulnerable right now. There is zero strategy involved in that. Whatever. So how do we, let's go back to the original question. How do you or Greg voice your needs? What do each of you look for in each other's, support 
So now you know what I look for in Craig's support. What do you look for in my support? But I guessed that for you, and I was right. So you yeah. need to guess mine now. Okay. Um, I just feel like sex solves everything for you. So if there's any problem in the world, just have sex with you, and it's solved. Mostly true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, were you really? That's <laughs> pretty true. <laughs> okay. As you said, I said that sounds a little. I don't want to like. Yeah, I don't want to like diminish you to that level. Um, it's mostly true, though. Well, just because like physical connection is really important yeah, to you, like I don't, I don't want to make that just seem like you're just a dirty old yeah, man. Like it, it's physical connection. That's what it is. Well, you're onto something. Exactly. Because you way- don't, like, okay, let me just, let's just get real honest and open here. Like, you don't watch porn. You're not a sex addict. You. I'm a Sarah addict. That's so sweet. So, yeah, it's it's about, like, connection for you. Yeah. Because when I feel distant from you or distanced, I, the connection is reassuring. It tells me that, no, we're actually in a relationship full of lust and you and you want me Mm -hmm. in that way but also just you want me you want my presence you want to be around me but let me ask you this when you are stressed like when you're in a really dark place with work with your just emotional health with everything with the pressure what do you need the most systems which, I don't know if you and I talk about how related we are on that front. We, well, now we've talked about it a lot. Over I think it's like you need the space to create your systems. Because you probably, if I were to guess, like you would probably just need the space to be in yeah. your office. and. So that's a really good distinction. You're right. Because it's not like I'm expecting you to develop the systems or even co-develop them with me. I think maybe because, because I'm just too particular. But, for example as we've recently established you providing me the space on Sunday afternoons to go out somewhere, have a coffee and reflect on the and plan for the week ahead. Mm-hmm. Everything. Oh, yeah. that's such a big deal. And Especially- that's an example of something I'm so happy to support for you. Cause I know how important that is for me. And it's so easy. Did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. No. I think we were were just talking about, you had asked, how can you support me or how do I feel supported when I'm, when I'm overwhelmed at work? Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Sometimes I crave personal space, but that's, that's something I'm working on and it's still a little, um, it's more of a retreat. I usually retreat to video content. It's just a distraction. It's a vice to get my mind off it. And I, I know there are better coping mechanisms. So it's not like inherently I need the space. I'm, I think a little different on you in that. I know you genuinely appreciate the alone time because I think you feel more pulled and tugged on literally and figuratively by the kids than, than I do. I don't need the space from my family. I need the, the vice sometimes that is my escape. Maybe, yeah, you just need to have some fun. Yeah, and, and video content is a quick, cheap, easy way to have some of that fun. Because, you know, me, sometimes I just like to just pull up something on Netflix. And yeah, Netflix and wine. That's <laughs> for everybody. Literally everybody. 
But it's the space for systems. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head because when I feel supported for going to the gym mm-hmm. in the morning, that feels good. Setting my day up for success, the weekly coffees, all these r- routines where we get into trouble or I get into trouble and feel overwhelmed is like I'm thrown into the deep end. We've got this chaotic household. We've we've it's let perfectly managed and organized. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not chaotic let, at all. We've let things get out of <laughs> hand and like it's the little things that break down that people don't talk about often. But like if our laundry we miss a day on laundry, like our house is effed. We have so Just, many clothes. Just, like, burn it down. <laughs> mountains and mountains of laundry. If we miss So many dirty day, butts in this house. Because we just, like, it's like a train wreck happening. <laughs> chain reaction of, well, now I don't have any socks to go to the gym. And because I can't go to the gym, I don't go to the gym. And then I'm pissed off and not like, going to the gym. So then... That's how I feel in the kitchen. Like, literally... If we're our margin for error is so thin that if we're sh- if we're short one pair of clean socks on a Monday morning, you can kiss the next seven days goodbye. It's just and then our marriage ends and we're <laughs> like living on the streets. That's how it feels. How did it all happen? Uh, <laughs> it really does affect like our mental it's health. The butterfly though. effect of socks. Yeah. But seriously though, like Bria, our nanny left for a week, and. I think that that had a lot to do with... We're not blaming you, Bria, if you're listening. I think it had a lot to do well, with anything, our fight. If anything, we're giving her accolades of how important yeah. her presence She's is for amazing. Family. Yeah, because that was a tough week, and we didn't have the catastrophic marriage week we, we did in that week. We had it the following week, but maybe that was just a little bit of a rain shadow effect or delayed effect <laughs> yeah, totally. of having, ha- having our systems break down. So Jody Lynn asked, how do you and Greg voice your needs? And this, I, I think I, I would like to speak to this one. So this morning was a perfect example when wasn't, is this the question that was just asked? That we went yeah, but we, we didn't really clarify how do we voice our needs? Okay. So you're just, you're, you're coming back to it one more time. So yeah. Um, okay. So there was something that I had said, like, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, You asked me how I slept, and I was like, oh, I had a headache, like, all night or whatever, and and you were just quiet. And there was, like, a pause, and I was, like, thinking to myself, like, like, I was expecting a response. And the thoughts that I was thinking was, like, is he judging me for how I was feeling? Like, is he trying to, you know, I was going back into like our old patterns and habits where I felt like you were like giving me a hard time with the silent treatment of like how I was feeling, which is just ridiculous. Like we've both acknowledged that. And so I, I said, and that's when you say like, Oh, I'm sorry that you, whatever. I don't even remember exactly what it was about, but you were like, Oh, Oh, I'm, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like you didn't even realize like your mind was somewhere else. And that was an example of me voicing my need. Like I needed reassurance in that moment. And maybe it wasn't the most mature way, but it was me trying to show you like, I'm expecting something here. Like you can't just say nothing. The other thing I would say is that 
when voicing your needs, I think that it's really, really important. I think it's easier said than done, but to really phrase it in a way that's like, this is what I need right now. Not you never do this or like, you're always blah, 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 blah. Absolutes. Yeah. Like absolutes. Like we try to avoid absolutes. It's really, really hard to do that. It's always really, really hard oh, to avoid absolutes. Never able to do that. <laughs> but um, it's it's important because it allows you to express yourself without the other person feeling like they their cackles have to go up, their defenses have to go up. And another really good way to ask for what you need is to ask, "Are you willing?" Like, "Hey, would you be willing?" Because that gives the person the opportunity to make a decision for themselves. Like, is this something that I really want to do? And if I do do it, I'm going to feel really good about it. And if I don't do it, it's just simply because I'm not willing. It's not because I can't. Uh, Just a pro tip, I have learned that that's a really effective way to ask men for what you want. Would you agree? Would you be willing to? That's good. I I feel like it's better than, like... Could you? It was definitely better than could you. Tell me about could you, because I remember reading about could you in a book. I don't know if it was like men are from Mars, women are from Venus or something, but it was like, don't ever ask a man could you, because that makes him feel... Challenge, aptitude. Yeah. Like, of course again. Yeah. Anything. Goddamn man. Which is what we want. We want you to prove to us that you can, but we don't want you to feel... We want you to do it from a place of like wanting to, not feeling like you have to prove something. Oh, totally. Because I think there's that hero, savior, strongman persona that we get to fill when you put it right in front of us. Yeah, I just think that there's something so much less threatening about, you know, hey, would you be willing to get the kids ready for bed tonight? I just need a break. Yeah, it's solid. No, it's a good word choice. What are your disagreements with each other? What are our disagreements? I think the the big one for us this year has been the disagreements on our each of our uh, balance between our professional lives and our family lives. And we're recalibrating. And that's a word until this very moment. I've never used to have these discussions, which we've had a lot of, but that's what this year has been about recalibrating. We went from a transition of very line in the sand drawn roles where I was the professional and you were the stay at home mom. And we didn't really overlap those roles. I don't want to sound like I'm an absent father. Of course I was a present father with the girls, but I think the rules of the game were much more clearly defined. It was, you would take point on anything kid related I would take point in anything income generating related and then I'd kind of help out with the family where, where I could. And then where we recalibrated the last year or two, or I guess you could say there are roots of that going back even maybe as far as three years, is that you've wanted more uh, professional time for your craft and your business and that even with the help of, of an external uh, resource in a nanny, uh, that math equation is simply for you to gain some time. It's got to come out of my day. 
And uh, I think we've just been finding what that balance is. I, I don't think it's an even split both ways. Maybe that could work for some families. I don't know if that's what we're, we're after. I'd love to hear your opinion there. I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is one parent does have to take the lead on the kids. I feel like it's just, it's hard to be exact co-pilots. And that's also part of the challenge in the way, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but there's some other threads I want to pull on. The reason I don't take more, even more of an active role is until you've prepared me for the systems of the household and where I can expect to find things because ultimately you've taken the lead on those things, it's a little bit overwhelming for me to get involved. And I always think about something as simple as working at like a fast food restaurant. Those places, places like that, businesses, establishments have systems so that other people can come in at different times of the day and different shifts and so forth and still know where things are and operate the establishment more or less seamlessly. What you don't have in a restaurant is there's one person who knows where the napkins are and the forks and what the recipe is and everybody else has no idea. Of course not, that wouldn't work. And so maybe where I'm coming full circle to this is as a, a tip or a hint or a suggestion of how I can get more involved and we can continue to find that right balance for us is I need to be given the uh, uh, the playbook, the employee manual of where even it's just simple things sometimes of where do the kids keep X or Y or Z or going back to the laundry thing. If I can't find socks for the kids, that's, that's a hard, that can be a really deterring thing mm-hmm. and a little bit I don't want to say overwhelming because that sounds so pathetic. Oh, you can't find the kid's <laughs> socks and you're overwhelmed now. But it's it's more so just... It's it, the butterfly effect of well, socks. Yeah, it, adds to the, <laughs> it adds to the complexity of something because you can't... What are you going to do? Do you have your kid go out without socks? No, of course not. So now you can't get out of the house and it, everything kind of breaks down at that point. So yeah. I think going back to the original question of an argument you have is just this constant fine... I'd like to say it's hopefully not, it's evolving a little away from an argument or what was the wording used there in the question? Disagreement. Disagreement. That, that's a little bit more innocuous sounding, but I I think I'll, I'll say it's, it's, it's more so a recalibration. Do you remember that text that I sent you this morning? My commitment to you. Oh my God. Yeah. So I sent Greg a text this morning and (laughs) and it was, a text that I felt was really timely to send after our latest disagreement, our latest argument, our latest issue. And it was really the culmination of months and months and months and months of kind of hashing over the same issues over and over and over and over again. And once I was finally, you know, Greg expressed in the beginning of this episode, if you're listening to this, um, in a second episode than than it would be at the beginning of last episode that in our conversation argument (laughs) fight on Saturday morning, he really got vulnerable. And so did I, and we were really able to share our fears and our, our experience and just kind of our own unique perspective on things. And, and in that conversation, I was really able to get a clear picture of what 
Greg's needs were because I asked him, what do you want? What do you want? What do you need? And from that conversation, I was kind of able to, it helped me set some personal intentions of how I would like to show up differently as a wife, as a mom, in my business. And I always talk about on this podcast, how we control the tides in our family. And I felt that level of responsibility to really determine how things are going to go from here on out. And so I crafted this text message because I'm the master text message crafter. <laughs> Get me in a conversation in person. And I'm just like, uh, I didn't, um, <laughs> don't talk to me. But I sent this text message and it was basically like, these are my commitments to you. And it felt really good to send that. And he really appreciated that. And, and just to circle back to what Greg said about, you know, our, our really a recalibration and really our biggest disagreement on how we should divide time and child responsibilities was I really got clear on what, I am willing to do and what I need and how I'm willing to more support him because I want to support him and I want to support you. Like we're, we're having this conversation in front of the audience. I don't know whether to talk to you or them, but I want to support you. And I want us to feel like we're each getting our needs met in our careers and in our, in our personal time that we need. And so that clarity just really helped I think both of us to to move forward and be like okay this is how it's going to go from here on out what things do you still want to achieve as a couple that's a good reminder that I don't know if we have a lot of achievements together we're really working for yeah we both have our professional aspirations that lead to like I guess you could say there are goals for our house and our and our home that we have together. I think we're aligned on that. Really though, because the last time I checked in with you on that, you didn't want to spend any more money on the house. You wanted to sell the house and move back to California and that was really discouraging to me. Because I felt like (laughs) we had finally found something that we could work on together and get excited about together and that was doing some projects on the house. And then all of a sudden you were talking about, let's just put a pause on all spending on the house. And you started talking about like, I want to move back to California and do all these other investments. And I was just so crushed. I think, I think though we still, we still have a loose understanding of what we want in a home. Again, it's the ultimate outcome we want, but it's how to get there yeah. is the, the disagreement. We know we want a nice place. We know we want we have a comfortable a nice place. place. <laughs> we want, yeah. So I think that's kind of a common goal. I think more travel is a common goal. For sure. That is, I think, our number one common goal is travel. And yet we still seem to get so wrapped up in the day-to-day life that we don't make it happen like why don't we make it happen we have 
the, we have the flexibility. We have the money. Like, why don't we have our kids' passports now? Like, why don't we make it happen? Let's put something on the books. Yeah. We did just come off a big summer, though. We did, what, six trips, four flights? Yeah. Like, where did we even go, though? Um, California, like San our Diego, home, Monterey, our hometown. New Orleans. Well, I went to New Orleans. But. I want to go to Cancun. I want to go to Argentina. I want to go to Rome. Like, we were supposed to spend a month in Paris with the kids. We didn't do that. Thanks, COVID. Nice move. Yeah, I, I think the question is, I'm just going to keep calling it at face value. It's, uh, we don't have a great answer there. And it's a great question because it's causing us to stop and think and say, how are we aligned there? And I, I wonder how many other people would find it valuable to just pause and reflect what common goals they're looking, building towards. What is the best piece of relationship advice you were given? I can't help but think going back to our wedding in 2013, your grandparents, Jason and Annalie. Yeah, because they were the last to stand. They were the oldest married. Longest married. Longest married. Not oldest. Longest married couple on the dance floor. Back then, was it not 50 years? Something ridiculous. 40? Something ridiculously impressive. And they gave us some sort of advice. And it was so simple. And it was so sweet. And we have it on video somewhere. We have to watch it. But it was like, always have fun with each other. I don't remember what it was. I know. I don't, I don't remember either, but it was something so simple. It was like, don't forget to have fun or something like that. Huh. Or like never stop dancing or I don't know. It was, and it's, it's so relevant because <laughs> it's like, you were just commenting the other day. Like, I feel like when did we stop having stop fun? Because yeah. we get so caught up in just the day-to-day life and the to-dos and we're so focused on our goals and the steps to get there. It's like, where do we make room for spontaneity and fun? I like the don't go to bed angry one. And really? Yeah, because I just... You would. It's just that last opportunity in the day to just level set and recognize the bigger picture and that there is love there. I'm usually the one that walk in, walks in even after a fight, and I'll give you a little kiss or something and say goodnight. Oh, it, except I was the one that sent the text message last night. <laughs> no, I appreciate what you're saying is like the, you know, leveling out the night. But I am a firm believer. Remember, I don't know if you ever heard my conversation with this. Dr. Lenietta Willis. Yeah. I she actually, said, I did listen to that one, yeah. Yeah, it was a great conversation. She said... You know, some there there's a point in the night where your brain just gives up and your brain boycotts you and your brain is just like, go to bed. And there's only so much that you can accomplish in having a conversation, having an argument with someone before your brain is just like, I need to rest. You know, we have decision fatigue. We have so many pressures weighing on us throughout the day. And I personally fall victim to that at the end of the day so fast do you think what she's saying, though, is more like you don't have to fix it that night? I don't think she's advocating for saying, like, don't try to just have a... I believe in never 
letting your last word be something hurtful. Yeah. Always let your last word be something hopeful. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, that's a great, a great phrase. It's just a, it's a reminder of looking at the long picture. I, I think when you stop and try to just look at each other for a second and say, we're committed to this relationship. We love each other dearly. It just gets you out of the short term and the long term. The short term is the focus of the fight you have and trying to be prove yourself right or feel redemption or whatever short term gratification you're looking for. The long term is we're committed to our happiness and it, I think it's good to come up for air for something like that. Other so so that's one. Uh, <laughs> happy happy wife happy life. That's a great one. It's so true. You control the tides in your family. No, you really do. <laughs> you control the whole mood of your family. But you know what? I have found it to be true. There is no cute rhyming word for a happy husband. But it's true in our relationship that when you are not in a good place, when you are like, like when you are retreating, you... At least I, and I notice that sometimes the kids will make comments too, like we notice, and it it does affect how we feel. It very much affects how I feel. Like I am very empathic. I am very much affected by the energies of others around me. And if I am in a good mood when you're in a bad mood, that's because I am putting all of my effort and energy into trying to be in a good mood despite your bad mood. Like it's, it's not to spite you, but it's like despite you. It's like it, just so you know, that does not come natural to me. Like I am trying to up-level the energy of our family. Hmm. How do you think couples should handle their finances? Oh my God, don't get us started. (laughs) I think this is a really personal thing to the individual couple. I know couples who have separate finances and they each contribute in their own ways. I know couples who share finances and each contribute in their own ways. I know couples who, you know, one, one's role is to be responsible for the finances and the other's role is to be responsible for other things. And it has to work out between the two of you in a way that you both agree and feel comfortable with. Yeah. I think we, (laughs) this is probably one that, is the weak, weakest for us. We could we could stand to get a lot better on this one. Have you or Greg ever had a financial struggle, and how how did you handle that? <laughs> We've never ever in our twelve years of being together had a financial struggle. Actually, I'm just kidding. I I want to go back to where we were shortly after Before. Audra, our first daughter, was born. Shortly after. Yeah, shortly after. So she. It was when our first daughter was born, and we had crazy amounts of debt. We had not a dollar to our name. Like, we couldn't even afford to buy a burrito. And, like, our parents were helping us financially. That was such a helpless feeling to be in that state. And. It was hard because depression was really affecting us too. I remember de- depression was really affecting you during that time, and that was really hard for me to to see. And I wanted to have another baby. 
And shortly after that, we got pregnant with Autumn, our second daughter. So how did we handle it? I mean, I think we just... I've always been the one to remind us to stay positive. And I'll never forget the card that Gary, my stepdad, wrote us. And he put a check in there for $1,000. And the card said something like, in a year from now, everything is going to be different and everything is going to be better. And I believe in you. And it had $1,000 to pay our bills. And that was everything. Yeah, that was a big deal. I mean, just for someone to believe in us and to trust that like we were going to make it was so important. And that's why I always tell you guys on the show, I, I believe in you. I end almost every email with it because it's, it's so important to know that somebody else believes in you and that it's going to be okay. And it's true. Like looking back on our situation, connecting the dots, like everything on our path happened for a reason whether it was a job that you lost or there were so many different points in our journey where we sold our business and then we faced challenge and there were points where you didn't get the job you wanted and then you found the job that changed the course of your career and just my choices in my career too. Like we always hit the milestones in our life that were meant to move us forward and it wasn't always obvious at the time but I appreciate so much that level of faith that my stepdad had in us that in a year from now everything would be different in a year from now in a year from then everything was different different. it was so different you were working at Sunrun and you were like literally the top performer in the company like making more money than you ever had and we had two baby girls and we were just you know, we were like investing at that point already. <laughs> What's your number one piece of advice to keep a strong or successful marriage? Number one piece of advice. Probably very similar to the other question of what's the best advice you ever heard, right? Uh, but just spitballing here, find, find your common ground like we were talking about earlier of we may have different angles to get to something but that or different means to the end but the end is usually the same with us what we want the ultimate end goal be truly empathetic really dig deep to try to think and embody what your spouse is going through and the perspective they have, not on just a superficial level, but almost in kind of a meditative Zen level, like really pausing to ask yourself that question and reflect upon it and provide some answers and then try to provide more answers. Like, no, what is she really feeling like this? What, what am I missing because of the perspective I have that she's seen? Because that's where a lot of our arguments, if not all of them, stem from. Like the big one we had recently of just assuming we each had different perspectives than we actually did. And then the moment we actually connected about it, saw eye to eye and saw each other's perspective, the whole world flipped upside down. Or right side up, I should say. Got better. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that it's not assuming negative intent in the other person, but just really seeing the other person as a vulnerable human. And there were so many points during the weekend when we were fighting and we were feeling negatively towards each other and we were, you know, barely even speaking. There were so many points where I would look at you and I would just think to myself, I really do love him so much. And I would just think, but I I can't, I can't show that love right now because I don't know that he looks at me the same way. I just don't know that he takes the time to look at me and thinks I love her so much too. And it was like, I had to have that confidence first. I had to have that reassurance first. And I think a lot of it boiled down to just, just not assuming that the other person thinks negatively of you. And always remembering, you know, from a personal development standpoint, like we're, we're all on a journey to grow as people and be mature and become stronger. And I totally lost my train of thought. Mature, become stronger. I'm going to press pause so we can have more energy for the last bit. We'll do more. Remember. I'll do more with you tomorrow. Okay, so Greg and I totally passed out after recording this first bit, but we want to finish answering your questions, so stay tuned for part two of our late night conversations. In the meantime, please come into our Motivated Moms Facebook group and tell us what goals you'd like to work on in your relationship right now. I think that this was a great question. It inspired Greg and I to think about what next level that we'd like to achieve in our marriage. And I want to thank you to all of you who sent in your questions, who have been cheering us on, who have sent in so many words of encouragement as we have gone through our marriage struggles this year. And I just want you to know that no matter where you're at, I want to encourage you to keep the hope. Remember what I said in this conversation with Greg, don't ever let your last word be one of hurt. Always let your last word be one of hope. And that includes the last word you say to yourself, too. At the end of the day, when you're falling asleep and you're thinking about your day and you're thinking about the future, always keep an intention of hope, of feeling hopeful. Thanks for listening today, and I'll talk to you soon.